0: Well, we're so glad that you are here with us today, whether you're here with us live and in person or you're joining us online. And I am joined by my friend Tiffany, who is our next gen pastor this morning. And before we spend some time together, team teaching through the beginning of this series, I thought I want everyone to get to know you a little bit. And what I know about youth pastors and there's a lot of us around here, is that we all have crazy stories about wild things that we have done as youth pastors. And so I wondered if maybe you had a story from this summer of something wild and crazy that you may have done with our students. I would
1: never do anything wild and crazy, ever, ever. (laughs) But maybe at camp, we did a thing called Color Wars for our high school retreat, which is you get this color powder, and then you disperse it in some way, shape, or form onto one another. And this year we chose to do that by creating color bombs is what they're called, which basically you take a a part of pantyhose and then you put the powder inside the pantyhose and tie a knot on it. And you create like a little ball of color powder. And then when you hit someone with it, it like explodes and the color powder goes everywhere. Um, we use knee-highs to be specific. So when you tied the knot, said bomb had like a little bit of rope to it. So you could actually like sling it a little bit. Like maybe David and Goliath-ish. I don't know. Oh, man. And so... um, you know, everybody is throwing these color bombs and then when they hit you they explode and you get color all over you and it's lots of fun. And we were in the middle of the field playing and I picked up a color bomb from the ground and someone else I know who's in the back of the room named Layla picked up a color bomb (laughs) from the ground and we're both eyeing each other like for that moment and I maybe like got my sling going pretty good and I mean, I i think it's just because you can't aim well with them i don't think it's my fault but i like sling and like right oh no right on the side of her head and she was wearing these fantastic barbie glasses and they just went like flying <laughs> and i didn't even realize what had happened until i like she's standing there like this looking at me and i'm like laughing and she's points And the glasses, honest to goodness, were like ten feet away from her on the ground. And it was all captured on camera.
0: Oh, that's the best part. Yeah. Yep.
1: So now Layla,
0: I need to know, were you harmed? You were good. Okay. No way, shape, or form. (laughs) No
1: way, shape or form. Just lots of tears and good memories. Not tears. Tears of good memories. I don't know. Well, there were
0: probably tears, but they weren't bad tears. We were
1: crying, laughing. It was really funny. And we also just had color powder coming out of everywhere for the next days. So, okay,
0: I love yeah. this. So the moral of the story is, if you're looking to have a lot of fun and you're not currently having enough fun in your life, you might wanna consider being a volunteer in yeah. youth ministry. true story. That's a place to have a lot of fun. It is. So I wanna share another story with you today as we get started in this series, because I want to invite you to use a little bit of your imagination with me today. And so the story I'm gonna share with you happened just last month when our family was in Palm Springs for our annual trip to the desert in July when it's 113 degrees. Still don't know why we do it, but we do. And it's the highlight of our summer, and so all these generations come together. We went, run went, we woo, we rent one big house. I got it out. And we have my kids and my niece, We have the moms and dads of those kids, we have the grandparents, and we have great-grandma to my children, who we call Nina. Now, when we walked into the house the very first day, we were brilliantly and wonderfully surprised when we saw the most gigantic white screen to watch TV on that I have seen in a home in my life. I'm not exaggerating when I tell you it was not much smaller than the screens we have here in the room. And we had an actual projector and surround sound. I mean, it's better than what you could get in a movie theater. And so we're talking together about what movie we might wanna watch on the screen that evening because we wanted to take advantage of this whole setup that we have. So we decided to watch King Kong. Have any of you seen King Kong? Any version of King Kong is a fantastic movie. It will make you cry at the end. And so we're watching the movie, it's great. We pause because we need snacks. And I hear one of my kids ask Nina, their 86-year-old great-grandmother, Nina, was there ever a time when you didn't have color TV? And it led us into this whole discussion of how there was a time when Nina didn't have a TV in her home, and then there was a time when Nina watched black and white television come to life, and you can watch King Kong in black and white television. And then Nina, over the course of her lifetime, has seen color television come to life. And then she's seen flat screen TVs with surround sound come to life. And then she's even now seen 3D television come to life, where King Kong can literally come out of the screen and into your living room. And then it gets even better than that because now we've created this crazy 3D technology that's happening in our world where if it happens and you're not expecting it and you don't know what it is, it will literally make you run for your life in the middle of a town. And I wanna show you what I'm talking about. And so we're gonna play a short clip for you now. I was really glad I saw that on social
1: media first. I would not wanna see, like, be walking down the street and see that tiger coming out. No. Like, I mean, I don't.
0: But now we know. So when it happens in downtown Temecula, you don't have to freak out. That was my service coming really today. soon, Coming yeah. so soon. Coming soon to Temecula near you. Yeah. And so I share this with you really as a metaphor for this world where Nina has lived through being able to watch this movie, King Kong, this great movie, this great story. She's been able to watch it in black and white. It was a great movie and a great story. And then she was able to watch it in color. And again, great movie, great story. Then we watch it on a flat screen with surround sound, and you get more of a full experience of this movie and the story. Well, then you watch it in 3D with the 3D glasses. Well, imagine if King Kong suddenly is coming out of that screen right there into the audience with us this morning. I mean, it's a whole different experience. Next level. Than black and white television. And so as we begin this series that we're calling Faith in 4D, what we want to do together is we want to use our imagination a little bit to consider different dimensions of our faith in Christ. Many of us maybe start with one dimension and maybe add in another dimension, but we're not aware of all that's available to us in Christ. And that's part of what we'll be discussing together. And so over the course of the next few weeks, we're gonna look at the individual dimension of our faith. We're gonna look at the relational dimension of our faith. We'll look at the communal dimension. And then we'll look at the social dimension of our faith. Trusting that we will begin together to maybe consider what does it look like for me to experience a multi-dimensional faith? What does that look like? And so, here's the thing. This is gonna be different for all of us.
1: Yeah, for sure. Right?
0: What it looks like in your life is gonna be different than what it looks like in my life, what it looks like in your life. Mm-hmm. And so, how have you seen this evolve? Yeah, for me, I mean, I, I started out in the
1: church, but like I did, we just went to church till I was in like fourth grade, and so I didn't ever have any type of real faith relationship, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I never got to a place where there was any anything to grab onto. Mm -hmm. Um, But as I became older and in high school, I started to long for belonging. And the natural place I started to look for that was within the faith context. Mm -hmm. And so I um, joined a group called Young Life and Mm I really found community there, but what I was really taught there was about my individual faith, about my faith with Jesus and what that looked like in my daily living. And so my faith was very individualized, very personal, very much about how what I did was how I served. Who I served, okay. the community I existed in, um, and just very kind of self-oriented, I would say. Mm-hmm. And it got to a point as I was growing and reading and you know maturing in my faith that. I began to kind of see that there were maybe some other dimensions that I was missing out on, mm-hmm. and so you know naturally kind of began to grow into some of those spaces of relational faith and communal faith. Um, but then what I actually found was a disconnect, uh, because I found myself in a community that I I felt out of sorts in. I didn't feel like I fit quite right. Um, I felt like the fly in the milk, mm-hmm. and um, and so that created kind of some tension for me and struggle, Um, but we moved back to California and returned to Rancho, and what I found returning to Rancho is um, that sense of belonging within community and within relationship, Um, and I think that that's unique because of um, just the diverse community Mm -hmm. of friends seeking Christ. Um, There is... The opportunity for us to be unique individuals yeah. and have unique relationships with God, mm-hmm. um, and that that's okay. So, where we don't all look alike and act alike, mm-hmm. um, but we hold the beauty of we serve a multifaceted God. He looks a lot of different ways, mm-hmm. and part of that beauty is held by the uniqueness and diversity of our own community.
0: Mm-hmm. So. No, I love that. It's part of what drew me to Rancho, is watching this world where we get to come together and be a learning community, and we get to hold space for places where you might describe your relationship with God differently than I would describe and articulate my relationship with God. And the story that you bring to the table um, colors your world in a unique way. And instead of looking at that and saying, well, that's different, and I don't understand it, so it must be wrong, Mm -hmm. there's a a humility that says, can I listen and can I learn, and is there a space where as we're all following Christ together and learning what that looks like, there can be a curiosity and an openness to the way that that's expressed. We had a gentleman come and speak to us just a few minutes ago and, and was asking a question. And I said, well, I would I would like to hear what your, how would you give words to that? How would you describe that? Because it might be different than how I would give words to that and how I would describe it. Yeah. And so for me, you know, part of it was I was just hungry for relationships as a teenager. And so I said yes to an invitation to church because quite frankly, I just needed healthy people and healthy adults in my life. I wanted to feel seen and known and understood, and I thought, well, maybe church could be a great place for that to happen. And so my relationship, my individual relationship with Jesus really came after I had experienced the benefit of being in community in a church context. Now, in full disclosure, I could stay very comfortable for the rest of my life in those two dimensions of my faith. The individual faith in Christ and the church community And I would be pretty good and pretty happy. But I would be missing out on what I think we're gonna see in a moment is more of a fullness in Christ. And so part of my own growth the last several years has been Uh, becoming curious about a relational element to my faith where I'm allowing myself to be impacted by other people, where I'm allowing myself to let my guard down a little bit. Um, And then also the social aspect, the social dimension of faith where I'm learning from and listening to people who are different from me, who carry different experiences and different cultures and different stories and different backgrounds. And then allowing that to then uh, invite me to maybe take loving action. And I still have a lot of ways I'm growing in those areas, but that would be a little bit of what it has looked like. And so over the course of the series, what we want to do together is we want to consider the question, what does it look like for each of us to enjoy a multidimensional faith? What does it look like for us to begin to discover um, an individual and a relational and a communal and a social dimension or aspect to our faith? Now for some of you, it may be that you're brand new to your relationship with Jesus. I was just talking to someone this week who's so excited. Their whole world has changed because they are new in their relationship with Christ. It's so fun to get to hear those stories. I'm sure you get to yeah. hear them a lot with students. And so if that resonates with you, if that's where you find yourself, maybe for you today, part of this is becoming curious about the reality that is good as it is today, as life-giving as your relationship with Christ is today, there is still more to come. There is still more life and more learning and more growth and more goodness to come. Maybe for some of you, you're in the season where you've just had a brand new baby. There were a whole bunch of you up here just a few minutes ago, and you're in that season of life where you are sleep-deprived and you are exhausted and you are just giving all of the time. And so in this season, you might discover a new dimension, where a relational faith becomes more prominent in your story, or maybe you're caring for aging parents and you're giving and you're doing all of the time. There may be a newness or a new dimension that opens up and becomes life-giving to you. Maybe you are a mature follower of Jesus. It's been decades that you have been following Jesus. And you may be curious to go, is there a dimension that is a little bit outside of my comfort zone, that I maybe haven't considered or I haven't really wanted to consider? And maybe you would invite the Spirit of God to draw your attention there. I don't know what it will look like, but I I think each of us, uh, there may be just a gift in store over the course of the next few weeks. And so part of what I love about Rancho is we are a learning community, and so we learn from one another, and we really have great discussions as a staff and as a team. And so several weeks ago, we were talking about the series and the vision for the series and the heart behind it, where we wanted it to go, and all of a sudden, Steve, who you just saw up here a minute ago, said, oh my goodness, that sounds like my favorite verse in Ephesians chapter three. We began to talk through the verse, and as I listened to him talk through the verse, I thought, yes this really captures, I think, the heart behind the series. And so we're gonna read the Apostle Paul's letter to you. And if you're not familiar with the Apostle Paul, really cool guy, he never actually knew or encountered the historical person of Jesus. He encountered the spirit of the risen Christ, just like all of us have, but he didn't actually know the historical person Jesus, which I find to be kinda cool, because the guy wrote the majority of the New Testament. And in this verse, what's happening is he's struggling to give words to the fullness of faith in Christ. And he even talks about the dimensions Mm -hmm. of faith in Christ in the verse. And it's hard to read it and not get excited. Yeah. I agree. Like It's kind of one of those that you're like, man, as you listen to it, you're like, yes, this is good. And I I thought about piecing it out, but as I tried to piece out parts, I was like, man, we just have to read the whole thing. And so it's a prayer and it's an encouragement and it's a metaphor for what this life with Christ can look like. So we're gonna read together in Ephesians chapter three. We're starting in verse 14. My response is to get down on my knees before the Father this magnificent father who parcels out all heaven and earth. I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength, that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all followers of Jesus, the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breath, test its length, plumb the depths, rise to the heights, live full lives, full in the fullness of God. You can do anything with God. God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. Do you get the sense of him just really grasping for words here to try to articulate uh, this whole experience of faith and the different dimensions that are there? And then he wraps with this, really it's kind of a, a worshipful prayerful moment where he's using the word glory over and over and over again. We just sing a great song with the word glory. And this is a little bit of a churchy word. We talked a few months about it, and I thought, man, it'd be good for us to talk a little bit again today in this verse about what it means, because it can kind of go over my head if I don't remember. Like, what is that word? What does it mean? And it's a word that describes the fullness of the beauty and the kindness and the goodness and the power of God at work in us and around us and through us. And so Paul closes and says, glory to God in the church, glory to God in the Messiah and Jesus, glory down all the generations, glory through all millennia. Oh, yes. Like, like the final exclamation point.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love the part where he says that it's, it's not pushy. It's not a work that's being forced within us, but it's something done deeply and gently by the Holy Spirit working in us. Um, And I just love that idea that if we haven't, Considered all these dimensions of faith. If maybe we've only considered a couple, or we've only considered one, or um, that we don't have to beat ourselves up about it. It's not something to shame ourselves about or feel guilty like we're failing because we didn't know or we didn't do the thing, and gosh, now we're terrible people. Um, It's the opposite. The opposite Mm -hmm. is that we're on this faith journey, and we call it a journey because there's not an end, there's not a destination, it's a constant, place of going and exploring and finding our way. And so to consider, if I don't know something, it's not a bad thing, it's just a new opportunity to explore and find God in new ways. And so I love that it's invitational.
0: Yeah. And and as I'm listening to you, I have the word in my mind, unfolding. Yeah. Um, And even think about Nina and King Kong. King Kong was still a fantastic movie and story and experience on a black and white television. Yeah. And then it evolves over time and continues to evolve. I mean, I think there's a world coming where, I mean, who knows how we're going to get to watch a King Kong kind of movie. In the kingdom of God, life in Christ, there is an unfolding, a journey that really, like you said, doesn't have a destination. And I think that's part of what Paul is trying to say. And I think that's why he's so excited. If even the apostle Paul can be excited about the availability of more fullness in life with Christ, then I think we can too. For sure. The sense of expectation. Yeah. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to zoom out and get kind of a big picture of what each of these dimensions look like in the life and in the ministry of Jesus, because he really is our model. And then each of the coming weeks, over the next three weeks, we'll zoom in a little bit closer and look Uh, deeper at each of the dimensions. And so here at Rancho, we really are uh, focused on being a Christ-centered church, really looking at what does Jesus teach and what does he do and how does he live and how can we follow the way of Jesus. And so that's important to us. Yeah, and
1: I, I love that, obviously, but there's always sometimes like this snag in my head when I hear that like, oh, you want me to live like Jesus, but Jesus is God and I am not, so there's gonna be some disconnect there. Um, And so I think there's the truth that Jesus is God and the fullness of God, but the The other truth is that he is also human and fully human. And so we can look at Jesus's life as the perfect example for how to live as humans made in his image um, and use that as a model and a guide to just help us kind of navigate through life Mm -hmm. and um, explore the way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we're gonna start together with this dimension we're calling individual. And we just spent several weeks in a series this summer really focused in on finding God in diverse ways, where an individual faith, a personal faith in Christ uh, is really a focus. And so we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about the individual element of our faith together today. If you missed the series, I highly encourage you to go back and check it out. It was incredibly helpful and life-giving for me. What we do see, though, in the life and ministry of Jesus is an emphasis on an individual faith. We see Jesus have a very personal, intimate relationship with God, the Heavenly Father. If you read through the Gospel of John, you get to see uh, the unity that's happening with Jesus and God the Father. We see Jesus seek time away from people in silence and in solitude. And yet, at the same time, we also see Jesus um, not only focused on that. What we really see with Jesus is an individual faith that's not individualistic. And that's an important thing for us to pay attention to. It's an individual faith that Jesus is focused on without being individualistic, which is hard for those of us who have a Western, independent, self-sufficient mindset. If we look at the life and ministry of Jesus, it was heavy on relationships, and heavy on community, and heavy on this interdependence of Jesus, not only giving and serving, but Jesus receiving. This idea of I need you, and you need me, and we need one another, and so, what we wanna do is we wanna notice that that individual relationship is incredibly important, but we don't wanna allow it to become individualistic. So self-sufficient, self-reliant.
1: Yeah, I love that. Um, when I thought about the individual and then the relational faith, um, it made me think of Jesus' summary of the law. He mm-hmm. says, what, what is the total of the law? It's to love God and to love others. And that individual faith is very much that love of God, right, and growing in depth with God. And then the second piece of loving others is that relational component of faith, of how do we move through the world and love the people around us well um, with care, our friends, our family, our co-workers. Um, and so I think that Jesus shows us that caring and loving for others is not dependent on the giver, but on the receiver. I said that backwards, (laughs) and I said, if I was going to do that, it is dependent only on the giver. Yeah. So that loving and caring is dependent on the giver and not on the receiver. And I'm going to say that again, because it's important that how we love and care for people is dependent on us, not Mm -hmm. on them. Mm -hmm. And we see this at the Last Supper. Yeah. Um, when Jesus is seated with his friends around the table and what he chooses to do with them in, that, in those last moments. Um, he knows that he's gonna be betrayed. He knows he's gonna be denied by one of his best friends. He knows he's going to his death. And yet, he chooses to have a meal with them mm-hmm. and to wash their feet. Um, the text actually says, I love this part. It says, he had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth And now he loved them to the very end Mm -hmm. to the very end he didn't just love the ones that were favorable that were good that were faithful and as you contended who really is that anyways we all he didn't have those kinds of disciples yeah he really did they're not in the text they're not in the scripture Yeah. yeah he loved all of them even the ones that he knew were getting really ready to fall really hard and really hurt him um And he loved them in a tangible way, by washing their feet and doing a service to them. And I just think there's an invitation there to how we choose to love and care for our relationships, that even amid doubt or fear or failure, um, that we can choose to love others well. And that um, we're invited to not have a fickle sort of love, but to be steadfast in our love towards others. To remember that our love for them is not dependent on them. Our love is dependent on our choices and how we choose to move. And sometimes that's really difficult in, in places where we're
0: having hard relationships. Yeah. No, I need a lot of help with this one. I need help um, as the Spirit of God works in me and through me. This isn't something that I'm able to do naturally in my own strength. I also need help from my community, from the relationships that I've built and the circle of people in my life that have been invited to speak into my life to help me see where maybe I'm putting up guards or I'm keeping people at arm's distance because I'm afraid to be vulnerable or I'm afraid to be hurt or I'm afraid to be betrayed. And so this really, for me, has, is still an evolving experience of what does this look like in my life and in my context? And do I have people helping me learn what this looks like? And am I trusting the gentle and humble work of God in me to help me live into this? Um, Because I don't know that we get to do this one on our own or in our own strength. Yeah. And so if we look at the third dimension, the third dimension that we'll explore together over the course of the series is a communal faith. Now, don't let that word scare you. That word is a little bit of a funky word, but it's just an adjective for what it looks like to be in community with others. And as we look at the life and the ministry of Jesus, everything is unfolding and happening in the context of community. Everywhere uh, Jesus goes, he's inviting people to come and be in community with him. He's entering into their community. He's getting rid of walls. He's getting rid of boundaries. And so what happens, though, is that most of us are reading the scripture, myself included, through a very Western uh, American cultural mindset, which is different Mm -hmm. than an Eastern or Middle Eastern mindset. And so I want to start this, to mention with a quote from one of my favorite writers, one of my favorite commentators. Uh, Kenneth Bailey wrote a book called Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes, and he talks about how some of us have lost this emphasis on community or communal faith. Uh, He writes, a critical component in both the parables of Jesus and the dramatic stories about him is the ever-present community. In much current reflection on many of these texts, the community is ignored contemporary Western society is highly individualistic. Most of the societies in the majority world still function as tightly knit communities. And so what I want us to notice is if Jesus had an approach to life and ministry, it could be called communal. Everywhere Jesus goes. We see him engaged in community, inviting others into community. Life was shared, lessons were shared, burdens were shared. Jesus is not only giving, but he's receiving in the context of community, uh, one paradox that I think may be important for us to notice is we've talked, you know, in uh, the world of individual faith how important it is to have moments where we are talking to God, where we are expressing ourselves to God, and where we are um, thinking about God. And Jesus encourages us to do that. We we talked a few weeks ago about how Jesus tells us when you pray to go into your closet to find some solitary or quiet space, and then what we see in Luke eleven one is that one, Jesus, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he finished, one of his disciples comes to him and says, teach us to pray. And Jesus doesn't tell him to go into his closet and to find a solitary place. Jesus teaches him a prayer that many of us have prayed over the course of our lifetime that begins with our Father. And then continues with this collective way of expressing ourselves to God in prayer. And we're going to end with this prayer today because it is such a powerful expression of a communal faith that it's not all about this individual faith, but that it's bigger than that. And so we see Jesus encouraging us to have that quiet, solitary space, and then he also is encouraging us to spend time together in community, praying and meeting needs and serving together and learning together and discussing together.
1: Yeah. For me, when I think about it, and you have individual and relational and communal dimensions of your faith, that sort of feels like the grand total. Like, that's for me, the bulk of what I would think of as faith or would have thought of as the total of my faith journey is do I kind of have each of these compartments in line or not? Mm -hmm. Um, But what I think we see is we do see a fourth dimension, Mm -hmm. this social dimension, and that social dimension is just this moment where we're asked to look outside of ourselves, to look outside of that individual relationship, to look outside of our relationships and our community, the ones that are natural to us, yeah. the natural places that we move through the world, and to consider our belonging within the greater context of humanity, all of humanity. Mm -hmm. And so a social faith is inviting us to consider not just our own experiences, but the unique experiences of people all around the world. And I love in the book of Mark, Mm -hmm. he um, tells the story of Jesus healing a man whose hand is lame. And one of the really interesting things about the retelling of this story is that it has very little to do with the actual healing. Mm -hmm. which is sort of dumbfounding, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you would think if there's a miracle and someone's been healed, that's gonna be the emphasis of what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. But the emphasis of what Mark talks about, and even Jesus in the story, is it's about the hearts of the people in the room. That the people in the room, they were in synagogue, and that they were in the room watching Jesus to see if he would mess up. Mm -hmm. They were waiting for him to break the law of Sabbath and do work. And Jesus, in theory, does that because he, he works by healing the man's hand. But what Jesus points out to all the people in that room is that the point of Sabbath was to bring restoration and wholeness of life to the community. And so Jesus, by healing this man's hand, is actually just fulfilling the role of Sabbath, bringing wholeness and restoration to this man's body. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, is that sometimes our hearts are hard and we get caught up, I think, in our individual faith Mm -hmm. and in our comfortable relational faith and within the context of our community and we miss out on the opportunity to see restoration within a greater context. So Jesus invites us to see humanity's struggles as our own and to work toward restoring goodness through mercy, justice, and love. Mm -hmm. And I think the tension, the hard part is, is it's asking us to look outside of ourselves, Mm -hmm. to look outside of our normal community and to bring forth restoration and wholeness to all of humanity. How can we do that? Mm -hmm. And then to ask, are we maintaining a soft heart and a soft mind towards the people all around the world who are suffering and are hurting? Are we mindful of that? Mm -hmm. And so um, it's just a tall ask, but it's important. And I think that's part of what Jesus is highlighting for us in the midst of that story.
0: Yeah. No, I love this. And I love that you're drawing our attention to the, there's something bigger happening than just the healing itself. The healing is important, but there's more happening in the context of the story. There's more that Jesus is wanting to draw our attention to. And that really is who is around us, whether it's locally or globally, that is hurting. And and we want to extend mercy or justice or love or compassion. And you're right. It is a tall order. It's a really tall order. And I am limited and you are limited, but if each of us is curious in our own context and within our communities and within our relationships of where is the Spirit of God drawing my attention and what would it look like for me to partner with God and do something? I can't do everything, but I can do something. Uh, Right now in this season of our life as a family, we cannot be a foster family. We are at maximum capacity in our house. And so, but what we can do is we can partner with other foster families and support and love and encourage and ask them, what do you need and how can we resource you and how can we encourage you? And we have a ministry here at Rancho called Replanted who does that beautifully. We have a racial reconciliation group who test that beautifully, bringing people together and helping us to understand one another's stories and what's happening that maybe we haven't known about before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Community Mission of Hope and Rancho and All. It's not that we all need to do all the things because we can't, and I can get overwhelmed by that sometimes. Mm-hmm. I really can't. I look at what's happening in Hawaii, and I can feel overwhelmed. But is there, is there one thing is there one conversation? Is there one thing I can listen to or read or a small act of kindness that I can do to participate in this? That's a little bit of what we're gonna be talking about together mm-hmm. over the course of the series. Yeah. And so the question for us really today as we close is what does it look like for each of us to enjoy a multidimensional faith that includes an individual relationship with God and includes a relational relationship Dimension includes a communal dimension, and includes a social dimension. And so I want to invite you over this next week to just consider with God where maybe there's an invitation in your life to think of something differently or to be curious about something that maybe you haven't considered before. And then I really want to encourage you to consider joining a group with us. All of this for me and for those that I'm privileged to know well has unfolded in beautiful ways in the context of a group. I meet with my group tomorrow and those women have influenced every dimension of my faith that we've talked about today and have helped me to see differently and to grow and to learn in um, ways that I wouldn't have if I was still focused on, I've got this and I can do it all by myself.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think it's also like within the context of groups, when people know us and know us well and we know others well, um, it's just like Paul says, it it doesn't have to be pushy. Mm -hmm. It can be gentle and it can be a soft nudge. And um, sometimes that's all we really need to make Mm -hmm. that first step forward. Yeah. So, um, so I, have to hearken back to my my olden days, to my days, my short days lived in the church, and there was not a lot that I took away from that time that I'm aware of, other than I always fell asleep on my mother's lap, and I always left a drool mark on her skirt, and I'm sure she was so grateful for that. Um, The only other thing I really remember about my time in the church as a child was the Lord's Prayer. I remember that we would all rise together, and that we would recite this prayer, and I can tell you, I it didn't mean anything, I don't even, I didn't know what the words meant, but I knew all the words. Hmm. And I especially love the part with all the S's, when you get into the trespasses and the sins and And I just, as a kid, like I just thought that was, I was like waiting for it, like with my popcorn, like when are the S's coming? Um, but interestingly enough, this last spring, I entered a season of life where the things going on in my world just became kind of consuming. I was obsessively thinking about the next thing and what to do and how to do it and how to do it well. And it got to the point where it actually just exhausted me. I didn't want to think about it anymore. And so I found myself praying, Lord, would you give me a new mind? Give me a new way of thinking. Would you give me a new prayer? And would you believe it? But what did I remember? I remembered the Lord's Prayer. Mm And so I decided that I would just start praying the Lord's Prayer. Now the Lord's Prayer isn't actually the Lord's. It's actually his instructions to his friends of how to pray when you don't know how to pray. What do you say to God? And it's a way of recentering our heart and our mind on who he is and on his promises and his plans. And so as I walk the dog every morning, which I love to do, I get about 20 minutes of just saying that prayer. And when I first started doing it, I was like a robot, it was like, just saying it as fast as I could over and over Trying again. Trying to get
0: the other stuff yeah. out of your mind. like if
1: I can say it fast enough, there's not room for the other <laughs> thoughts, you know yes. what I mean? And so I would just say it really fast over and over again for the full 20 minutes of walking the dog. And then I got to a point where I would start to sort of hold breath in between the words and thoughts. And I would start to think, what does that really mean? And I remember one morning walking and I said, our Father, and it just stopped me, mm-hmm. like, I'm not praying my father yeah i'm praying our father and this collective concept of we are all his children mm-hmm. and we are all held in the beauty of his community and so when i pray and enter into that prayer i'm entering into the wholeness mm-hmm. of the dimensions mm-hmm. of faith that he has for us and so I hope that when we we pray and when we think about it, we could maybe see that we are never intended to make our faith journey alone. Mm -hmm. It's never intended to just stay individual, but that we would always move into the greater whole, that individual is a part of relational, Mm -hmm. is a part of communal, is a part of our social faith, that they all work together to Mm -hmm. create a holistic being within us. And so, Um, I think it's just a beautiful way to see and know the fullness of God's extravagant love for us
0: through that way. And I think a beautiful way for us to close today too, right? It is. We get to pray it together. Yes,
1: and so we're gonna invite you to pray the Lord's Prayer with us today. Um, Whether you're here in person or online, join us because it is our prayer and we are one community. The words are gonna be on the screen for you to pray. I would love for you to stand with us and join us Mm -hmm. in praying. And I hope that maybe as you read through it, you might see some of the four dimensions Mm -hmm. in it. So, would you pray with us? Our Father, who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.